Well, this morning, as I said, Psalm 111, Acts 2, Matthew 13. Uh, What I want to do this morning is I want to give us a quick church check. Quick church check. Got to check on the church. If you've been coming here for some length of time, you've heard once or twice that at Solace Church, we have a singular passion as a community. Everything is wrapped around this desire to see and to keep Jesus at the center. He's got to be in the middle. Our preferences can't go there. Our pastors can't go there. Our our comforts can't go there. As followers of Jesus, we call him Lord, and we say, it's your place, and this is his church. And the way that we've even wanted to use this language is just in in our church government, God's called me to be the lead shepherd of our church, but we wanted it to be clear to say that we see Jesus as the senior shepherd, the senior pastor of Solus Church. Um, And that's what we need. That's what we need to have as a community of people following Jesus, and that's what we have through Jesus. Jesus is not just a shepherd who has given us a book and has zipped off into heaven, left us some time and some instructions, with kind of a a goal in mind of this life expiring and seeing him one day. That's part of it. But the promise that Jesus gave his disciples as he was going to ascend into heaven was that he was going to send his Holy Spirit. And so just as Jesus was with his disciples and shepherding his disciples, it's gonna be the same for the church. The church should be a people that are following Jesus, not just as this figure who lived 2,000 years ago. We follow the teachings and the life of Jesus. It's all, it can be all concept. But as Christians, we are those, Jesus said this, we are what he calls his sheep. And he says, when you're my sheep, he says, you hear my voice and you follow me. And so here's what I really believe, man. I believe that as a church, if we want to be a community that is faithful to what God has called us to, to be a church centered on Jesus, which has a lot of different implications of what that plays out into, We've got to, from time to time, check in on what Jesus is speaking to us. We know what he spoke to the church of Galatia. We study what he spoke to the church of the Colossians. You read in Revelation, there's seven other churches there that he writes to. But what is Jesus saying to our church? How many of us believe that Jesus really is the pastor of Solus Church? But, but in a way that we go, he, he's actually involved like right now he's looking to shepherd us think about this i mean it looks great on a website right jesus is the senior pastor wow that's profound but that's a whole new reality when we begin to live accordingly we we begin to put jesus on a pedestal that no man deserves amen we begin to tune into what he has to say we want to be sensitive to his leading and i i feel the weight of that responsibility i have more than just the task of feeding the church, of feeding the flock on Sunday morning. That is part of my responsibility, to feed the flock. But my job also, probably the the chief role that I have as the leader of this church, is to be a sheep to my shepherd. And I need to make sure that I'm hearing from Jesus. And the other leaders in this church, we gotta make sure we're holding each other accountable to say, hey, are you sure this is what God is doing? Do you have an ear to him? We We gotta check in. Because our natural tendency, here's what I've learned, our natural tendency, at least my natural tendency, even though I want Jesus at the center of all things, how many of us know that our natural tendency is not to keep Jesus at the center? And the reason why we have to be intentional about that is because there's always other things fighting for that center spot. 
And sometimes you don't realize that he's out of there until your life's kind of going in this direction. You're like, how did we get here? Oh, oh, Jesus, that's your spot. You're the Lord of my life. I got to follow you. So we want to do a church check this morning. You cool with that? I think you're going to be encouraged by it. Um, you know, I call it a church check. I think of that illustration. It's like my kids, you know, recently we moved into a new home this year in March. We prayed for years to move out to East Boca, but um, it wasn't happening in God's timing. It did, but um, the Lord opened up a door. We've, we've been so thankful to, uh, to be planted here in the Boca community. We knew that's what we wanted to do as God was calling us to plant Solace Church here in Boca. We wanted to be in the city. We wanted to be missionaries here in our community. And the home that we moved into, it had one major selling point for me, other than the fact that it has a pool. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I never thought I'd have a home with a pool. I grew up in a home with a pool, but I thought I'd be like community pool living my whole life. So it was pretty cool. Um, I was pretty stoked about that. Um, it's kind of like a mini pool. Like you can jump across the other side. It's like almost like Greco-Roman kind of thing, but it has water. Um, so it's a pool. Um, it's actually just a puddle in my backyard. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but the selling point for us in this home was that there was this barrier wall in our living room that wasn't load-bearing. Okay, there was this wall that divided up, you know, people in the 60s. That's when the home was built. They, they, liked to, they sectioned off everything. Some of your homes are still, that's cool, nothing against that, all right? But, you know, me and my millennial taste. Um, we really were hoping to open things up in our living room. We had, like, our first dinner meeting this past, uh, you know, uh, gathering at our house on Friday, and it was just sweet. Um, and that was the selling point for me, not just because we wanted it to feel open, but we have three children under the age of five. Sorry, under the age of six, five and under. It's pretty much the same thing. Um, and one of the, the goals we had was to be able to have them in our line of sight in that main living room of all times. That, that was a major point. And, and this is something that is a huge part of parenting is, you, you know, it depends how your kids are. But with my kids, I can, they can go play for 10 minutes. But there's usually that thing that happens at about eight minutes where you're like, why is there no noise? What's going on? Why is it quiet? Why, why isn't someone crying or screaming right now? And in our home, it's, Evie's usually the culprit, I'm just going to say. Or Judah at least blames it on her because he's older and he's, you know. But, but you know, so from time to time, we got to check up on things because I know how things can get. So that's what I, I want to do. I want us to take a moment to check up. I want us to look in three directions this morning as we check on things. I want us to first look back to 2018, our first year as a church. I want us to look into the present and talk a little about what God's doing in our church, and I hope to cast a clear vision for where I believe our good shepherd is calling us as we look ahead to 2019. Is that cool? Awesome. Three of you? Great. All right. Let's start with a look back to 2018, a look back to 2018. And right now you're going, Andrew, Russ preached last week that no man who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So who, who's, the, who's the heretic here, Russ? Is it me or you? No. Now, certainly, certainly, what we're talking about here when it comes to 2018, for some of you, you're like, are we really looking back to 2018? Like, I, I love those posts every year. It's like, oh, man, 2018 was the worst. 2019, I'm ready for you. Like, every year it seems like I've kind of followed that trend now. If you look next year. What's going to happen? People are going to go, man, 2019 was the worst. Here we go, 2020. Like, I've noticed that theme every year. People always want to move on from the previous year. But, um, you know, the, the scriptures would lead us into a healthy relationship with the past. 
There's such thing as having an unhealthy relationship with the past. There are two pitfalls that I think we can fall into with the past. Two pitfalls of the past. One is what Russ taught on last week. And it's this danger of remembering things that God has called you to forget. I press on for the prize. I forget what lies behind. I reach forward to what lies ahead. Some of us are living in the pitfall of being paralyzed by the past. We're inhibited from reaching forward into what God has in my future because we're stuck in what was. I mean, if there's something 10 feet away from me that I'm reaching out for, despite my desire, as long as I'm holding on to this, I won't get there. There's a call in God's word to surrender our past to Jesus, to not live in the past. There's a sense in which we need to get past the past. The other pitfall that I think, though, that we can fall into, it's not the other side of this. Maybe it's not just we remember what we should forget, but how many of us know that sometimes we can forget what we should remember? There's a danger in not remembering what God has done. Psalm 111 calls us into this kind of remembrance and relationship to the past. It says, verse 1, praise the Lord. I love that. I will praise the Lord how? With my whole heart. I will praise the Lord where? In the assembly of the upright in the congregation, with the church, with God's people, praising God. Why? Verse 2, the works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endures forever. Notice verse 4. This is one of the coolest scriptures that I had never read up until last night. He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He has given food to those who fear him. He will be ever mindful of his covenant. He has declared to his people the power of his works and giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hand are verity and justice. All his precepts are sure. They stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And a good understanding have all those who do his commandments, and he ends on the same note of what he started with. His praise endures forever. This is, a, this is a psalm of praise. There's a lot of different psalms in the Psalter, 150 of them. They take different forms. They have different moods, depending on where David was at in his life, much like your journal might. This is a point in the Psalter where it's a psalm of praise. A psalm of praise to God, worshiping God for a reason. We saw how he was praising, he says, with his whole heart. We saw where he was praising, it was with God's people. There's a power in that. There's a power in private worship. But there is a power in public worship. There's a power, there's a strength that comes with standing with God's people and declaring who he is together, amen? There's a power in that. But then he tells us why he's praising God why he's extolling and honoring and worshiping God. And it's wrapped up in this word that he uses five times in five verses. It's the word works. It's what God does. The scriptures teach us that God is invisible. No man has seen God at any time. Jesus, he's the image of the invisible God. God was manifested in the person of Jesus. But one of the attributes of God, I like to think of it as one of the superpowers of God, is his invisibility. 
That's probably the one I always would go for as a kid, that question. If you could have one superpower for me, invisibility. Not because I'm like a creep or anything, but just like, I just, I always like to sneak up on my siblings and scare them, so I always felt that way. Well, the Bible teaches that this is, in a sense, not a limitation of God, that he can't be seen by human eye, but it's an attribute of God. He's the only king forever, invisible, immortal, 1 Timothy says. He's invisible. You know what this actually means, though, is that God, though he cannot be seen, God sees all. He sees all. Nobody is, is, is hidden before his sight. He's invisible. But there's this sense in which this psalmist is describing seeing the invisible, right? You ever seen God? You're like, no, but yes. You see God. How? Through his work. It's like my wife, you know, she, she can walk into a room, mostly our bedroom, and know that I've been there. Not because of seeing me or anything else, any other, like, scent or anything. That's kind of sad. Um, but not, she knows I was there because of the condition of the room. I have this, like, um, one of my, I guess this is, I have, like, 20 New Year's resolutions. Pray for me. Um, one of them is I'm learning to be less uh, crazy when I'm looking for stuff. Anybody else struggle with this? Like, when I need something, I turn into the Tasmanian devil and... And a clean house is, is, is going to be used to find what I need. And so, um, and so that's what can happen. And Brittany can know. She can walk in the room and be like, okay, Andrew was here. He, and it doesn't look like he found what he need, you know. Um, I'm invisible in that sense, but there's a visibility to God through his work. And that's what this psalmist is saying. I see God. I praise God. Because when I look on what he's done, I see his works. And it testifies of him. I love, did you see that there in verse, verse 4? The reason why God does his works is to be recognized and to be remembered. This is so huge. Why does God work? His works are to be remembered, not to be forgotten. So we, we practice this as a church. We do something called the Lord's table. We, we celebrate communion where Jesus says, you gotta come around this table. You gotta, you gotta drink this cup. You gotta eat this bread because you need to remember that your relationship with God is not what you do for God. It's what God did for you. We gotta eat that that bread, we got to drink that cup because we need to remember it's the blood of Jesus that forgives me of my sins, not my track record, not my obedience. We remember. We've got to remember. We're so prone to forget. So let's remember a little bit uh, what God did, his works that he did in 2018 here in Solus Church. Um, 2018 was our Genesis year. It was our first full year as a church community. We officially opened the doors, so to speak, to our church last year. And I wanted to go through a few flashbacks of what God did in 2018 because his works are to be remembered, right? So here's where we started. January 14th, we had our first Sunday gathering. Anybody there for that at Many But One? A couple of you guys? Awesome. We started out in a dance studio uh, over by Dixie Highway and Glaze Road at Many But One Dance Studio where we began our Sunday 4 p.m gathering 4 p.m you guys liked that sleeping in mode was nice hit the beach in the morning a little church in the afternoon go catch a movie at night Sunday 4 p.m gatherings we began studying the book of Nehemiah I have some pictures there I love this picture of bar I have like 50 pictures of bar serving somewhere okay that's just bar but here's bar putting up our sign there we didn't ask for permission to do that but we're, we're gone now but um that's not why we're gone anyway um some nice fellowships some other photos here I remember this was a special Sunday as our church took a break from our usual study to pray for those that were affected by the shooting in Parkland. 
a time of intercession, praying for God to comfort the hurting, to heal the wounded in the morning. Uh, we had a, a sweet time there um, watching God build the early stages of our community. On March 18th, we found a new home here at Don Estridge High Tech Middle School. Have you noticed that? God, it's high tech. I don't know what that means. I was expecting there to be iPads on the wall or something, but it's high tech. Um, um, affectionately referred to lately as the Don. We're here at the Don. Don Estridge. We found a new home here. I love this picture of Ryan cruising in on his bike. This is our first Sunday gathering, an awesome time of fellowship here. We officially opened the doors and had our church launch on Easter Sunday. You remember this? Our church launch on Easter Sunday. This was our volunteer team for that day. Just love this photo. Maybe you can spot your face in the crowd. Maybe you can't because it's far away. Um, uh, a special time launching the church. Uh, and then I'm uh, just going through some of our Sunday gatherings. May 13th, we had a Mother's Day service. There's the lovely Angie Steffer up there. Here's our, our man, <laughs> Jeremiah. Jeremiah handing out flowers to the crowd. You guys remember this? In June, went from May to June, we started our summer book club. Our summer book club kickoff. Isaac did an awesome job leading our book club kickoff. We did two of those last year. We did a, a summer book club through the uh, John Mark Comer's book, God Has a Name. We did a fall book club. The Pursuit of God, I picked that book for that club, all right, don't remember. Um, and we started to build just some of our early stages of community. We began to have our men's and women's communities. They rotated every other Wednesday. We gave those a season. They were fruitful for a time where uh, every other week was a rotation. One week, uh, the guys, next week, the girls, and they would also rotate from outings to home fellowships. Uh, the gals did all sorts of stuff from going to Uptown Art Studio to uh, baking Mary Ann's delicious, deliciously yours cookies. Follow her at deliciously yours. Do it. That's free. All right. You're like, what about my Instagram handle? Okay. Um, uh, the, the gentlemen, we had a, a variety of events from a spike ball tournament at the beach in the dark <laughs> to uh, heading out to a Marlins game. It was a sweet year. This is June 17th. We also had a Father's Day service. That was a special time as well. Do you guys remember July 22nd? We had family weekend. You notice we haven't done that since then? No, I'm just kidding. Um, that was a fun time. We had all the kiddos in here for the first half of the service. And as you see up there on the screen, we, we had a, our, our baby dedications as well, our child dedications. Uh, it was a sweet time. Uh, during that service, we had the kids come to the front, and Isaac did a little lesson with them. That was sweet. You know, probably in the top three, maybe the top spot in our, oh, my goodness. I just thought of my sermon title, SC Top Ten. Soulless Church, no? Okay, all right, Sports Center. That works, right? All right. That, I do got to write that down. I don't think we'll forget. Um, you took a minute out of your sermon to talk about it, Andrew. Okay. Man, uh, it's definitely up there in the top spot. I loved on September 30th going down to the water's edge and seeing seven people get baptized last year. Just an awesome time with our church family gathering there. I loved the support that was there, man. Just our church, so excited about the new life and what God was doing. This is an awesome picture of Alexia who was baptized on that day. Just the joy, just brings, um, yeah, brings a lot of emotion. Um, we broke into October, uh, into the harvest time, and here's Ethan doing some face painting work. Actually, I think you're select. I didn't mean to pick this photo exactly, bro. I just clicked, okay? But um, this is Ethan. We did the pumpkin patch uh, face painting outreach um, down in Meisner Park. 
You guys probably remember not too long ago, December 5th, we had our Boca Holiday Parade, a good time, and it led up to our Christmas Eve service. Can we just give God a hand for what he's done this year? Thank you, Lord. Um, God does what he does to be remembered. And if we want Jesus to be at the center of this church, we must continue to discipline ourselves to give him the glory for what he's doing, and only him. Um, What an awesome year. Thank you, God, for what you've done. We just honor you. We praise you. We pray, God, that you would produce more and more room in our lives and in our church for you to work. Get us out of the way so that you continue to have your way and do your work. In Jesus' name, can you say amen to that? Uh, A cool, a cool year. I want to just take the moment, too, to just say um, thank you. I mean that. Um, For us, it's weird. This is like kind of... uh, how do you say it's surreal, right? Um, 2018, to be able to look back and say, like, this is a year that we're remembering for me is significant because it was a year for, for over 10 years that we were praying for. And um, it's amazing how life works like that, right? How what's a vision becomes a memory and a dream becomes this thing that we're having to reflect on. And I just want to say, I just want to say this. Maybe, you know, and you're like, I know you don't come here to say, to hear thank you. I know, I know you don't serve. I know you don't give to hear thank you, but I just want to say it maybe this way, that I am so thankful to God for each and every one of you. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this church family. Thank you for those of you who serve, and I mean serve, like sweat on your forehead, Dana, every Sunday, 8 a.m., those of you who serve in our children's ministry, that is such a blessing. You, you have no idea how much of a blessing that is to all the moms in here. Man, those that have served on worship, I just think about our worship team, which was just a group of people who played some instruments last year in January, and to see, man, just enjoying that time of worship, to see what God's done in the development of our music team, and just for all of you that have served, that have, have led the helping hand to build God's church, I just want to thank you. Can we give the Lord a hand for that as well? Do you mind? Um, awesome, awesome. Let's take a moment now to look into the present to look into the present. God does his works to be remembered. We look back on 2018 and we give him the glory and we say, God, do it again in 2019. But uh, we also take a moment to look into the present. Here's a question we want to ask this morning. What is God up to? He's always up to something, isn't he? He doesn't have idle hands. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't get bored and, and just binge on Netflix. Like God is always at work. He's always faithful. He's always... He's always moving, and we want to have a sensitive ear to that. Uh, We've been praying for some time about, God, how are you working in our church, like practically? Um, How is it that you are seeking to make your disciples here at Solus? Uh, And there's one thing that we've always agreed on. We we haven't always known exactly what it's going to look like, but there's one thing that we've always agreed on when it comes to what Jesus wants to do with Solus Church, and it's for church to be more than Sunday morning. That's not church. That's the church gathered on Sunday morning. Um, that's a church service. That's a vital part of life. But would you turn to Acts chapter two with me to see a, a, a perspective that we've always leaned into? Now, Acts two. In Acts chapter two, you have the first church, the first church plant. Uh, but it's not exactly a church that's been planted. It's more a church that has been birthed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, So much so that 120 
disciples praying in the upper room have now multiplied to 3,120. Um, as Peter gets up and proclaims the gospel of Christ empowered by the Spirit in Acts 2, it tells us in verse 40 of Acts 2, it says, And with many other words he, Peter, testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Look at that call, that call out of darkness into light. It says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. So here's this first church. Now notice how they function. Verse 42 says, And they continued steadfastly. They were devoted, passionately devoted. It says, In the apostles' doctrine, the health of good teaching, the word of God. It says, In fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. It says, Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. It says, Now all who had believed were together. And had all things in common, and they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily, notice this, with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. Now, I know a lot of times this is a section of scripture that a lot of people miss um, in the sense that... Uh, everybody wants Acts 2 to be how the church always is. I love that part there. They just ate their food. It's like, I can do that, right? With gladness and simplicity of heart. And you always hear that, man. Why can't church be more like that? And there's a sense in which, like, I get the reality that, you know, Acts chapter 6, the church multiplies. That's what God does. And um, things go from simple to complex, that's what happens when God does his way. They say, you know, new levels, new devils show up. And so that's what you see end up happening. It's not always going to be kumbaya. Um, and, and, and though there's, there's challenges in life, and church isn't always just eating, you know, chipotle with gladness, you know. Like, there is a sense in which we still see some key characteristics of what make up a healthy church. And we see this picture, and it's found there specifically in verse 46, of, of the way in which that the church gathers, which is consistent with all of God's people in history. They gather large, they, or you could say they gather big as a community identified around the same God. They gather around God's work. They gather around God's word. They gather around God's worth. There are people centered on Jesus, a large community, but then they're also a community much like Israel who would gather large at the base of the mountain to hear God's word, to hear about who God is, to worship who God is, but then they would be divided up in their tribes, house to house, tent to tent. Here in the early church, we see that theme of going house to house, church, church to them. If you said, hey, are you going to church to this culture? Are you going to church? Soulless church? What? what? You brand those things? Right? Like if you were to describe ch to them, ch church, to the early church was family. It was a community. It wasn't a service they attended. It was a gathering that they were, they were privileged to be a part of with God's people around Jesus. But then it was, it was a dinner table. That's what many authors will tell you when you study the book of Acts, you study the early church, that, that um, when the church was first birthed, the centerpiece was a table, a meal. Talking about life, communing, connecting. Today, we, we've made largely the centerpiece of church a stage. 
and don't get me wrong, like, <laughs> you're like, Andrew, you're on a stage right now. Um, don't get me wrong. Preach the word in season, out of season is what Paul told Timothy. We're going to proclaim God's word. But the centerpiece of God's people wasn't just the proclamation of the word, but there was this sense of we have to be in community with one another because the purpose of hearing God's word is not to say, look how much I learn and look how much I know, but it's the power of God's word to transform our lives. And that only happens in community. Sunday's limited. You can only get so much out of a diet that you eat once a week. You fellowship once a week. You work out once a week. What's your New Year's resolution? Eat healthy and work out once a week. That's crazy. As Russ taught last week, you might need to rebuild that plan. And for a lot of us, maybe that's our 2019, is we got to rebuild how we think about church as this consumer commodity that I show up and I attend to, you know what we see here? And this is, listen, this isn't my opinion. This is God's word. Church is a community of people who are devoted to some things. That's a hard word, isn't it? Devotion, commitment. We don't like commitment. We, we, we want to be able to wiggle out when things get hard, man. I like to consume, not commit. This is what God would call us to. This is who God is. He's a God who commits to us, Amen. I mean, you think that God's not a consumer? Are you think that God's not only there when you put up your end of the bargain, when you provide the goods and services that he demands? No, God is a faithful friend. He's a friend, the Bible says, that sticks closer than a brother. And so we see that. We see the church not just gathering big on Sunday, but going house to house. So one of our core values as a church, as I said earlier, was that we desire to function as a family. We want to make sure this thing is about family, and that's going to require more than just Sunday. And so last year, we had our men's and women's communities. This year, I'm so excited that we are going to be starting church in houses. That's what we see here. I love it in 1 Corinthians 16 as well. Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord. I love this, with the church that is in their house. So scripture as our model, uh, we're calling them soulless communities, soulless communities. This is the language that I'm practicing and I'm going to be intentional to teach us the community. Okay, that's kind of creepy, isn't it? It's like cultish community. Say it with me. No, but soulless community. This is the language. This is the branding we want to use. And, and for us, it's this vision we see in scripture. Um, it's, and let me say it this way. It's more than a, than a group, um, kind of where we're headed towards with these soulless communities. What we, want to, what we want to move towards with soulless communities is not a group experience, but a life experience. A good question to ask you today would be this. Who... Who knows your story? Is there anybody in this room that's been coming to Solus Church and people don't know your story? There's church you're missing out on. And we want to create a kind of life experience where people can, be, can know one another and be intimately known within the context of a smaller group. That's what we're calling, again, Solus Communities, again, not about a group experience. Sometimes I think community groups can have in this mindset, it's about you know, going to this study, this curriculum, going to learn another thing. And we certainly are going to talk about God's word. We're Christians. But we want to make this more than just a checklist of something I attend. We want to move towards following Jesus as a family, committing to one another, getting to know one another, experiencing relationship. I believe that these communities are going to serve as cultivators where the spirit is going to produce authentic relationships discipleship relationships. So they're going to happen on a weekly basis. 
This is something we put a lot of thought and prayer into. We were going to go every other week. We get some of you can't make every week. But if we were to do every other week and you were to miss one week, now you have a whole month of not attending your community. And so we're going to do weekly soulless communities. They're going to happen in the homes of our church members here. Uh, We're starting with four groups that are going to officially launch in a week. will be the first group meeting. Um, These groups are for all ages and all stages. Andrew, where's the married couples ministry? Andrew, where's the youth ministry? Andrew, where's the middle school ministry? Where's the singles ministry? Where's the millennial ministry? The young adult ministry? The young professional ministry? Bird watching ministry? Listen. Okay. It's out there. Uh, this is a strategy we have. Listen, something that I'm passionate about seeing specialized ministries, I believe God's going to produce that because there's people in this room. That's not going to start with me. It's going to start with you. Okay, the, the, the church is not the pastor. The church is the people. Come on. And so this is going to happen when we start owning and, and walking in our callings here in Solo Church. I'm excited to see how God develops that. I've already been speaking to a handful of people that have a passion for stewardship and finances. I was speaking to uh, Ethan a couple weeks ago about outreach. You know, there's so many different just people and gifts in this room. But we want to move forward with this, this, I think, central value that we have as a church, which is to aim to not segregate the different stages of life. I, I don't want Solace Church to be a youth group. I also don't want us to be a church that's not engaging young people. And when it comes to our discipleship, we got to be a community that's all in. This is what Jesus does. You know, Jesus will make the most unlikely couple friends. People that you go, they have nothing in common. They have a lot in common if they're Christians. And so that's what these groups are going to look like. We're going to say this. We want to just like emphasize this. These are going to be kid-friendly groups. Bring your kids. But they're loud. Great. They're kids. And we want to move away from that idea of kind of like, can you be quiet? You know, we're trying to focus on the Lord. Like, God's in this moment right here with this kid, okay? All right? What about, what about that poor mom? Mom, do you mind? Your kid, I'm trying to hear from God. You think God maybe cares about speaking to mom, right, about the Lord? And so, man, that's our desire we have. These are kid-friendly groups. It's going to look different in every group. Some groups, they might rotate. You know, someone watching the kids during a discussion. Other times, man, it depends on, you know, it depends what group you end up in. Um, Some might, you know, have the kids there. Anyway, kid-friendly groups, all stages, all ages, weekly. And uh, they're going to happen. I'm excited. As we launch these groups, one of the things that kept a lot of people from being a part of our Wednesday night men's and women's community was it only happened on one night. Get this, there's a group for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So we're starting with four of them, Monday through Thursday. Um, They're spread out across different locations. Uh, You guys want to meet the group leaders? Okay, cool. Hey, I want to invite up all of our community leaders, all the Solus community leaders. Give it up for the Johnsons, the Kifes, the Chamberlains, and the Greens. Come on, like you love them. So we uh, met on Friday at my home. You guys come down this way. Um, and we talked about these three rules that we're going to have for every group. Um, I, I hate the word rules because I don't like rules. But um, there's going to be three objectives for each of these groups, uh, these communities. There's going to be uh, one rule is that we want to share a meal every week, whatever that looks like, whether that's leftovers or pizza or filet mignon, whatever you got, all right? <laughs> But we want to share a meal. Maybe it's a hot pocket. And everyone's, you know, one hot pocket. Everyone's, anyway. Um, 
No, maybe it's more than a hot pocket. Okay, um, but we're going to share a meal every week. We also want to. We also want to make sure that we're sharing in prayer. We don't want any. If you are attend a community, there should never be a night that you come in with a prayer request and you left with, you leave with it unprayed for. You come in carrying something. You come in carrying the guilt of sin you've committed, but you don't confess it. You come in carrying this burden of I don't feel God and I don't know if I believe He's even there, and you leave not having that prayed for. We wanna make sure we're, we have that rule. We always are having what we needed prayed for, prayed for. And then also we wanna share in the word. We wanna have intentional conversations um, about Jesus. Let me say this. Communities are not a place for you to go propagate your doctrinal position. People won't like you. <laughs> it's not a place to argue. It's not a place to draw attention to yourself. It's, it's, as it's been said, church should not be a museum for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. So communities are a place to come and acknowledge that we are all in desperate need of Jesus and we need each other to find him. All right? And so that's the heart of these groups. Uh, Kyle's going to be creating every Sunday after the, the sermon study in James. Kyle is, is just a great copywriter. Um, he's actually his job. He's a tech writer. That's what he does. He's going to be creating small, uh, you know, community discussion questions that can help guide that conversation. But anyway, I wanted to introduce each, uh, let them actually introduce themselves, each group leader. Um, it's so funny. Russ asked me to go last. I love this. <laughs> Well, here you are, bro. All right. And so I wanna, they're going to uh, share a little about themselves, uh, what they're excited for uh, with the group, and where and when the group's going to meet. Hello, everyone. I'm Russ. This is my beautiful wife, Vanessa. And we will be hosting on Tuesday nights starting at 6.30, ending around 8.30, or as long as you possibly want to stay. Um, so we're in Pompano Beach, uh, East Pompano. And... Uh, um, We'll be in the back to meet you guys, but one of the things I'm excited about is when I grew up, whenever we had a guest come into our house, my mom like rolled out the red carpet. You got a chocolate on your pillow. You got, I mean, it was unreal. You had 15 forks and knives when you sat down. You were full before you even sat down to eat dinner. You guys will not be getting that at my house. <laughs> you will be getting the family treatment where you leave happy and full. And uh, that's what we're excited about. Um, we're excited to, we're new. Uh, we just recently moved back down to Florida. And so we're excited to grow a community um, with the people around us and the people of the church. Guys, I'm Kyle. This is my lovely wife, Maddie, and our nameless child, son. <laughs> Taking suggestions if you have anything. And uh, um, Yeah, we're meeting on Monday nights at uh, 7 o'clock to about maybe 8.30 or 9, something like that. We live in the uh, Deerfield Beach area, right? We're around Wiles Military, if you guys know where that is. And um, yeah, meeting every week. And yeah, we're just excited also just to have you guys in our house. And I have some work that needs done on the yard and in the kitchen and just looking forward to having some community. No, I'm just kidding. But just to like echo, I guess, what Andrew said is just um, if all we really do with a sermon on Sunday is listen to it, we're not really getting it, I think. And if we just think church is just here on Sunday, we're not, we're missing out, you know, and, and that's my hope, and that we just grow together, unified um, with the message that we learn on Sundays, and what's going on with our lives, so we're just looking forward to getting to know you guys, and growing together, so that's it. We are the Greens, Rick and Terry, this is my lovely wife, Terry. We live in West Boca, uh, Loggers Run, Palmetto West. And uh, we've been coming to the church for about a year. I guess our claim to fame is our kids. 
And um, you probably know Ricky Green, married to Rachel, and Natalie Green Caldwell, married to Brian. He's serving in the kids' ministry this morning. But um, we're excited about being a part of this community. I think that as we look as the days approach, that uh, the Lord's return is imminent. And uh, we're in a messed up world. And I think each one of us as beggars, we're trying to find food. And I think that's what our goal is around these fellowships is to get in the Word of God and apply it to our lives. And at the same time, I'm married to a Cuban. I'm no dummy. Um, <laughs> Cubans know how to make great food. And uh, that is one of my New Year's resolutions. Um, more than one day at the gym and what I'm eating right. So I'm um, very blessed, and we look forward to what God has for us in this, in this community. Hi there. Uh, my name is Dana Johnson. This is my beautiful wife, Chris. And uh, like Ricky said, my claim to fame is my wife and my kids. Um, Derek and his beautiful wife, Kelly. Um, Tyler and his beautiful wife, Victoria. Um, I have Brock and his uh, girlfriend, <laughs> Kira. And I have Spencer, who's not here. Um, so, yeah, the house is full um, and, and getting rid of kids. Um, <laughs> we still have kids. Um, we are very excited to just welcome people to our home um, to share part of the verse we heard earlier with gladness and hearts of simplicity. Um, I think it's just a great um, time to just gather and uh, share life with each other. So um, We are in South Boca um, off of Military and Southwest 18th, and we'll be meeting on Thursday nights um, around 6.30 to 8.30. Wednesday night, 6.30 to 8.30. Awesome. Yeah, can we give them a hand? You guys stay up here for a second. Hold on, hold on. We, uh, we were kind of joking on, on uh, Friday about, like, who's going to give the best sales pitch, you know? Like, you know. Uh, and the, one of the big signing factors was, who's going to get Jeff, uh, the Chef Jerry? Um, whoever gets Jerry Guajardo, they're going to, yeah, but um, we're recruiting hard for Jerry. No, but, hey, um, just want to take a minute, and let's just pray over these leaders and just what God is going to be doing through Solace Communities. Father, um, wow, it's just so cool that we can call you Father. Thanks that you're our dad. It's by your spirit that we cry out, Abba, Father. We say, you're Papa, you're Dad, and we're your children, and we need you, Dad. God, we, we recognize, as, as Rick was saying, God, that we are beggars, and we're just showing other beggars where to get the bread. And, uh, Lord, we know that we need your family, our family. We need the church. I thank you for these four couples that you raised up here within Solus to help shepherd the flock of God to shepherd your people, to serve and love. I thank you for their hospitality, their generosity to open up their homes to our church. And we just invite your blessing. We invite God for disciples to be made, for healings, for redemption. We pray for people to come to know you through these groups. People that wouldn't maybe come to a Sunday church, but they'd go to a home and eat some Cuban food, Lord. Um, we just give it to you. With everything we have, we present it back to you, and we ask that you bless it. Bless these leaders in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, give them a hand. And um, awesome. And, uh, you know, as we close out this morning, uh, I want to just close with a word, a word. And this is 
is where we talk about looking ahead to 2019. Um, For the sake of time, we're not going to turn to our passage in Matthew 13. I would encourage you to read it. But, um, you know, in the Lundy household, we're we're not too into... Not like we're not into them, like we're against them, but we're just not, we don't really do resolutions. Um, we just haven't. Maybe we should, um, like that intentionally. But one thing that my wife and I have done every year for the past five or six years is we have prayed and sought God for a word that would sort of define and lead us in the next season that we were stepping into. And every year we felt it's been very somewhat prophetic of what we're walking through, of what he's called us to. And, and so I have been praying as we look ahead into 2019, I'm, I'm you know, with uh, five minutes left here, I'm not going to cast a vision in depth. But um, ironically, um, there is one word that uh, I do feel God has given me for our church in 2019, for our community. And I actually just said it on accident, but it's the word depth. Depth. In Matthew 18, that passage we didn't get to read, is a parable where Jesus describes Um, the sower who's sowing the word. And there are these different, this great parable of the different soils of the heart. And the different conditions of the heart, the different ground that the seed is sown upon determines the fruit or the withering that occurs in a life, the way in which we receive the word. And one of the examples that Jesus gives. He, he talks about how in life sometimes we, we can be in seasons where God sows his words in our heart, but the, the ground, he calls it stony ground, right? And the issue with the stony ground is that um, there, there's enough soil there for a little blossom, a, a little something, but because, he says this, because there's no depth of earth, the roots are not able to go down deep enough to bear the fruit that's needed. And I kind of thought of one of my favorite trees in Boca, in South Florida. The best climbing trees are ficus trees. You know this, right? They took down one of the best ficus trees in Boca a couple years ago off 13th Street, right before the fresh market there. Anyway, I'm a little upset about that. But you remember, remember a, few, a few years ago, this has been consistent. Um, I think it was Hurricane Francis that came through and it was over 50% of the ficus trees in South Florida did this. The reason was despite the grandeur on the outside, beneath the surface there wasn't any depth. I mean, to everyone on Sunday at church, I mean, it's a great big spiritual Christian. Green and lush and smiling and happy. But when God sees your life, does he see roots? Is there depth? I heard a quote recently that's just been wrecking me, and I don't know who said it. Um, Someone was referring to someone else, and I couldn't find the original source, but it was this. We've been talking about it in some of our teams. It's this. It's that when God measures a church, he doesn't count it. He weighs it. When God measures the church, he doesn't count it. He doesn't just look for length and width and breadth. He weighs it. He goes, is there weight? Is there depth beneath the surface? Guys, this is Christianity. This is all. This is all Jesus bought our lives for. The love of God is not a shallow love. It's a deep love. 
how great and how deep the Father's love for us. And that love that Jesus has lavished on our lives is meant to call us into the same deep end. This is what Jesus does. And this is what I believe is a vision for us as a church going into 2019. Uh, Would we be a community who follows Jesus out of the shallow waters of surface level Christianity into the deep? Let's stop wasting time, right? And what do I mean by depth? You're like, well, do I need to learn more? Uh, Don't be confused. Here's just some implications. I think theologically, relationally, and missionally is what I mean by this. There's a sense of theological depth, not just in what you know, but in who you know. We're not talking about big brain, tiny heart syndrome. Mm -mm. We're talking about a depth in our personal knowledge and relationship with God. And that's going to require prioritizing time. That's going to require spending time with him. That's going to require a quiet time. Um, it's like any relationship in your life. The, the, the people in your life that you have the most quality time, they're people that you've spent the most time with. And a lot of us, we want that deep relationship with God, but we've got to swim into the deep. We've got to jump in. We don't necessarily wake up overnight with this just deep, profound understanding of God's love for me. The Spirit does that, but it's a process of getting to know Him. So let's say theologically, also relationally. Are you only known on the surface here at Solus? And maybe that's a, a reason, you know, the combining factors there. Maybe because you kind of hide who you really are. You know, kind of like Instagram versions of your life. You put a filter, you, you adjust the exposure so you can get some likes. When you come to church, you got to have your filter on. and Because you, you, you want people to like you. And, and listen, that's not church. That's hypocrisy. Church is the raw, rugged B-roll files of life. Amen? It's the ones you don't post on Instagram. Who knows that side of you in this church? Depth, relational depth. Trusting God enough to trust his people and stepping into that. Um, and then lastly, missional depth. Is, is there within our hearts a depth of concern for the things that concern God? What are you concerned about this year? What are your concerns, right? I'm sure they are connected to your resolutions. And how do your concerns line up with God's concerns? When you go to work every day, what is God concerned with? Who is God concerned with? What is the mission and the purpose that God is preoccupied with that we ourselves need to come alongside with? And we know the answer to this. It's the, it's the mission of proclaiming and demonstrating the love of God in Christ. And being on mission in that way and having a depth of our passion for the law. So that's the word that I believe God has for us this year. Would you receive that? I hope God would speak that to your heart. He's speaking it to my heart. I pray that we can pursue him into that. I only thought it would be appropriate as we've looked back on what God has done. We remember what he's done and we give him all the glory because his works are to be remembered. We look in to what he's doing. So excited about our soulless communities. And now as we look ahead with our communities before us, with this call from Jesus before us, it's a call, Psalm 42 says, it's deep calling unto deep. God's saying, come deeper. A lot of times we're going, uh, we we think of God as wanting us to do more, do more. No, God just says, come closer, come deeper. And so let's close out today by singing this song we sung on the front end called Oceans, where we ask God to take us deeper. Would you stand with me?